Hi, Wine Delusters, and today I'm speaking with Johan Heisner, otherwise known as the Jolly Cellar Master. Welcome to the Wine Delusters podcast. My name's Janine, and I run a wine events business in Canberra, Australia. In this season, I'm talking to 12 specialists from the wine industry and the travel industry and asking the hard-hitting questions we all want to know leading up to Christmas. What to serve, what to buy, and where to go on holidays. So pour yourself a glass and let's get exploring. Johan is a certified sommelier by the Italian Sommelier Association. He's just completed his Wine and Spirit Education Trust Level 3 certificate and is in the process of getting his PhD in wine regulation and economics. So that's a lot of study there. He also has a podcast called The Jolly Seller Master, and that's how we connected. And I've been a guest on his podcast as well. While he is from Germany, he's lived all over, including Strasbourg in France, London and New York, and now lives in Northern Italy. I really enjoyed this as it provides a bit of a European Northern Hemisphere perspective to wine and what's happening over there. So please welcome Johan, the Jolly Cellar Master. Welcome, Johan. Thank you so much for joining me. So tell me, you're from Germany originally, but you live in Northern Italy now. So where did you get into wine and how did you, how did that all come about? Well, first of all, thanks for, for having me. It's, it's great to be on your podcast. And and yes, my story is like a little bit like uh, it's not straightforward. It's like <laughs> I was born in Germany and uh, people always ask me, are you from a wine region? Because there are a lot of wine regions, but I'm just outside. It's like it's like 50 kilometers from the Rheingau, which is one of famous famous wine regions in Germany. But I had no connection at all. And it's like I'm coming from beer country, basically. Uh, and then there's a kind of like cider drink that people drink a lot where I'm from, but I'm no connection to wine. I uh, went abroad for a year to study in Italy, fell in love with the country at a university in, in, a, in a place called Parma, one of the oldest universities in Europe and famous for its ham and cheese. And for someone who's into food and wine like me, that was just like heaven. I briefly went back to Germany, finished my studies, uh, moved then to Strasbourg in France, uh, lived in New York for a short while, uh, and then a couple of years in, in, in London for work. But I always had like on my mind to get back, go back to, to Italy. Now I have to say I live in a place called Bolzano, which is an Alto Adige, Südtirol, uh, South Tyrol. And I'm already giving it away. It's like it's a it's a bilingual place. It's because oh. it's a region that went a little bit back and forth between uh, Austria, the Habsburg Empire, and Italy, and stayed with Italy uh, after the Second World War. But like people do speak German here as well a lot, actually. Uh, but so, am I really in Italy? It's like there would be people in Italy who would say like you're not. Some South Tyrolians maybe might not agree to be called Italians, but Italy in itself is not just one place. It's like if you go to all the different regions, it's always something different. And like the Italian place as such probably doesn't exist. I find that so interesting about Europe that you can travel very nearby and the whole dialects can change and each region's famous for different things. Whereas in Australia, I think 
we all have fairly similar type of accent. If anything, I think it's more a metro versus rural accent. And what you said about how where you live, some Italians might not think that it's part of Italy because it only has been like less than 100 years that it's been part of Italy. Yeah, it's like in this, there are like, I think nowadays, very few people who'd actually like to go back to Austria or like, would like to be completely separated from Italy. But you do have those kind of movements elsewhere in Italy. You have the, those movements elsewhere in, in Europe. And I think it's to an extent part of our European culture, because like you were saying, it's like, for me, it was absolutely unimaginable because the place I first went to, Palma, isn't that far away. It's like if you if you go by air, it's like an, an hour's flight and even driving. Of course, you have the Alps in the middle that, that make it a little bit more difficult. But like in certain things, people were so different. And obviously, they speak a different language. And I didn't understand a word when I got here. <laughs> um, so that was a bit of, bit of a, an interesting experience. And you were telling me that outside your window, on a clear day, you can see the vineyards. What's the flagship variety wine around there? Well, the, uh, it's a funny question, funny you should ask. Uh, because Alto Adige is like so we are we are right in the middle of the um the, the Dolomites, the Southern Alps. So vineyards here go from 200 meters above sea level up wow. to 1200 meters, I think we've reached now. So we've got like a, a, a massive difference in 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 height. Mm-hmm. Uh we have very different microclimates. It's a small region, Alto Adige, but like it's very diverse. If you go to the northern part parts of it it gets very chilly and at 1200 meters you can imagine it's it's quite cool as well while it's like towards the south in the summer it gets extremely hot and like Bolzano which is one of the furthest cities in the, in the north of Italy still is and what many Italians don't don't realize is one of the hottest places in summer in August it really gets like extremely hot almost unbearable so, so what's extremely hot Italian-wise? Well, for, for extremely hot, it's like, like 40 degrees or like wow, okay, high, hot, high 30s. Yeah. So it is it's like really is getting hot. And it's because like if a cauldron, it gets a bit sticky as well. And um, it's it's a lot of people like um, move up to the to the hills and to the mountains to cooler places because it's just more bearable. Um, but having said that, um, so we have like very different climate, we have very different soils, and we currently have about 20 grape varietals that are planted in a small region. Like, so uh, I think we've got like something about 5,000 hectares, so it's tiny, uh, but like all those different grape varietals. And it, it makes sense because each variety has its place according to the soil. As um, more so according to the climate. So <clears throat> in, the, in the lower valley, you can plant Cabernet Merlot, one autochthonous um, variety we have, which is kind of famous here, is Lagrain. And oh, then yes. we have Schiava. Yeah. Um, so Lagrain, I know, is planted in Australia as well. Yes, and, a, yeah, you know, I've yeah, been noticing small, that. Yeah. Small quantities. Uh, so you have that, but then we are famous for our white wines. So we plant everything from Chardonnay. Sauvignon go, uh, grows very well here. Obviously, mm. it's very steely, uh, very fresh, lovely acidity and stuff like that. So, and then we have, yeah, uh, we do a little bit of Muller, we do Canna, we have 
uh, Gruner Feldlin are in like the northern mm-hmm. parts and Riesling and stuff like that. So it's a very great place for the white wines and that's what they're famous for here. Wow. But I'd also like always say like try the red wines as well because they're very good too. And generally it's like it's very high quality here. Oh. Yeah. I have to add that to my list when I come to Italy. <laughs> Certainly. And it's 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 also interesting because it's different. It's very different from, from many other like places. A hidden because gem. Of like, yeah, certainly different and very, very high quality. Oh, yeah. fantastic. Okay, so on to the questions. Our our holiday season, this one is. So obviously it's winter at Christmas time for you. What would we find on your table for your Christmas? Well, Lunch like, like you say, it's like, unlike in Australia, it gets uh, fairly cold here, which dry and sunny and so it's nice, but it gets cold and it's the, the, the upside on that is it's a perfect time to have for Christmas, like to have like something like Barolo from Piemont, because obviously that's not a wine that you would drink in, in summer when it's hot. And um, that's something that I really enjoy. And it's like, in, it's not a cheap wine. So that's something that we... We, we pop with a nice, savoury meal over Christmas. That's that's something that's always appreciated. Do you have it on Christmas Eve in Italy or do you have it on, on Christmas Day? Well, it's like uh, Italians more celebrate it on Christmas Day, actually. But being from from German origins, it's like we, we still have that tradition that <clears throat> we, we do it on Christmas Eve. We have a nice dinner. But we don't have that kind of like traditional dish, but like it's like a roast. Christmas a roast dish. and a barolo? Yeah. That sounds great. And that's exactly, that's, that's why it goes so well. So it's like if you have like something that has to be, has to live up to the to the, the tenants and to the structure of a barolo. So otherwise it wouldn't work. I and if you're going to give somebody a gift, do you have a go-to gift that you would give family members or friends? It would be a bottle of wine. It very much depends on like who I'd give it to. It's like my my sisters-in-law, for example, enjoy uh, bubbly. So we've got like very good spumante here. So which is like the um, classic method of, of uh, bubbly winemaking. I know my brother enjoys the the, the aromatic like uh, gold muscatella, which is muscato giallo, I think. So, uh, so 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 stuff like that, but also like the red wines. So. I really kind of like to tailor it to the person I give it to. And it's like when I meet friends and I always kind of pick something that is new that I've recently discovered here because we change a lot as well. So that would be, yeah. The kind of a good one, like sharing the knowledge, like something that you've discovered yeah. that you love and then sharing it to the people that you love. Yeah, that's great. Exactly. Now, I know that you have been to Australia. If you had to choose your favourite wine region in Australia, what would what would that be? I think what always remains with me because it was the first place I went to was Adelaide Hills mm. and because it was just like such a wonderful experience and people were so friendly. It was just so much fun hanging out with the people there, but maybe I can like turn around a little bit because um, as I said, I haven't been to enough wineries and I have like a, a long bucket list of places I'd like to go to. For example, we've got friends in Perth and Margaret river is not too far away and I'd love to go there. And I've never been to Clare Valley and I'd like to go there and see how they do Riesling so well in a place which supposedly is so warm, or at least that's what we read about. And I'd like to go to Tasmania because there's a lot of buzz about uh, Tasmania and I'd love to, to see that and I've tasted some very nice wines. But again, it's like I've got a long list 
of places I'd like to go to in Australia. And it's definitely something that we want to do uh, as soon as possible. And lastly, hopefully Australians will be allowed out of the country in 2022, um, exploring the world again. Where do you suggest internationally we should, we should visit if we want to explore a wine region overseas? Well, come to Europe. And if you have to pick one country, come to Italy. Because as I was saying, it's like you can, in a, such a small amount of time, cover so much ground and see so many different things. As I was saying at the beginning, it's like you come to South Tyrol and you've got a completely different picture compared to to Veneto, where you then have Prosecco. They do different sparkling wines compared to what we do. Uh, you go the other direction towards Piemont. Piemont is full of indigenous grape varieties, which work only there. And then you can drive further south to Tuscany or on the other side. Marca is a wonderful place. It's beautiful uh, countryside and, and very nice wines. So there's so much to, to discover in a small distance compared yeah. to what you guys, I suppose, are used to in Australia. Within a very short time, you're in, in Austria or you go to France and even Spain and Germany. It's like, and they're all different. They all produce mm. different wines. And yeah, come to Europe. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's on the bucket list for a lot of people. So don't worry, <laughs> hordes of Australians will be there soon. Thank you so much, Johan, for your time. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe now to get each episode as they drop. Go to winedelust.com.au for everything discussed today. You can also subscribe to my newsletter and hear of all upcoming events, news and merchandise. Till next time, happy wine travels.